Okay, well, uh, hello, it's uh, Greer Palmer from um, the Working Capital Initiative at Warwick Business School. And uh, what we're going to do in, in the next sort of 15, 20 minutes is reflect back on the event uh, Machiavelli and uh, Arlequino um, explained the banking crisis, You Must Be Joking, which was a working capital event led by Simon Woods, um, a film entrepreneur, and uh, Anushka Bailey, who um, is a performance theatre uh, director and artist. And so um, what we thought we would do, because in a previous podcast you can find um, on the Knowledge Centre, you'll hear Simon and Anushka explaining their ideas, some of the processes that they are uh, planning to use, but also, in, in a sense, their spontaneity and openness to how the ensemble builds and responds. And what we're going to do in this session now is think back, think a little bit about what happened, and look for the learnings and the moments of, of energy and uh, and also some challenge to us, how we could improve, how we could do things differently in the future, and um, the opening up of, of our knowledge uh, our performance abilities really um, by by going through this experience. So Anushka, could we start off maybe with how the ensemble built and how they responded to, to you and Simon, just thinking back on that? Well, I thought they were uh, an excellent and very open group to work with. Um, they came from such a variety of different backgrounds, which I thought was quite exciting. And uh, that sort of glorious moment of saying does anyone here have any performance experience sort of two people raised tentative hands at that um so it was sort of uh, both like oh wow okay <laughs> and also also very exciting because um because i thought well they you know if they get into it uh, they're bringing such a wealth of of knowledge from other backgrounds from other disciplines that um that we might be able to create some really interesting knowledge um rather than just going into it with a whole load of performers who all kind of know what they're doing. That uh, the unknowing, you know, the sort of uh, expectation of what could happen, that anything could happen, was, uh, was very interesting. I thought um, that uh, once they started to, uh, started to get into the work, which I, I was aware to introduce very slowly rather than getting everyone to sort of jump up and down immediately, just start, we started with just walking around the space and, you know, slow, very slow uh, introduction to the idea of practice. And uh, then I think by the end of it, there are quite some interesting performances by the end. So, so yeah, I thought the, the ensemble built itself very well and the, the sort of practical on-your-feet element worked quite well, I thought. Yes. It became very active, didn't it, and, and very engaging. And, and so that's the whole issue about uh, about energy and movement, isn't it? Mm. And, and yeah. people not taking a sort of st um, static positions on mm. chairs around the, around a room, but having to mix with each other. Absolutely. Which, which the marketplace really sparked off, didn't it? Do you just want to yes. explain what happened there? Yeah, the marketplace. Well, after... Um, after sort of an introduction from Simon and myself, we, we went straight into this um, sort of very open concept of the marketplace. What is the marketplace? Um, and I was quite specific saying, well, you know, it's not just the marketplace that, of, you know, Renaissance, Commedia you know, and Times. It's uh, all, all sorts of different marketplaces that, um, that people could use their knowledge of in order to, to walk around and, and create something in the space. People came with different, seemed to come, as I say, with different expectations. Um, we split the entire uh, group into two, and one half of the group uh, and the other half of the group uh, were first asked just to discuss um, what kind of things would happen in a marketplace, any marketplace they like. 
And uh, then we moved from the discussion into actually putting that on its feet. So if someone, for example, had said, oh, yes, well, you always have someone shouting, you know, two for a pound or whatever, rather than to discuss it, to actually just do it. And from that position, things started to get a bit more lively. And then I asked everyone just to start to circulate and actually create this marketplace in, in the room that we were in and merge the two groups together and uh, then sort of went up to a, to a couple of the more vocal people. Greer, I believe you were one amongst them, um, and sort of whispered in their ear, OK, you know, try and sell something now in this environment. Try and sell uh, something that makes you perhaps a little uncomfortable, maybe something that you don't know so much about. And uh, I, thought, uh, I thought that went quite well. I, I remember very distinctly Greer's trying to sell Margaret Thatcher's handkerchief, which was uh, which was an interesting moment, and uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of other bizarre products that started to find their way into our imaginary market. I was quite excited by the way it happened because uh, it first of all gets people out of their chairs. It gets people to think practically, you know, with the body. So that instead of it just being an intellectual exercise, you know, what is the marketplace? Oh well, it's it's where this happens. That actually there. All the other things that we might miss, the excitement of the marketplace, the emotionality of the marketplace, um, some of the strategies and tactics that are used to sell in the marketplace, they, they become much more real and they open up. As I say, and we may have missed some of that if we just sat around and talked about it. Yep, that's that, that's great, and it? it was it was mm. it was a high point, and it led very very naturally and and uh, energetically into um, uh, sort of mini scene buildings, didn't it? Around the the characters of Commodia. Um yeah. how how did it strike you? I, I would say probably of of the twenty odd people there in the room, maybe under five five perhaps people um, knew something of the character. So so how did you cope with that, and how how did you? How did you see uh, the influence of that? Well, we discussed this previously. You know, should we do an introduction to Commedia? You know, a, a brief sort of whistle-stop tour. I was actually against the idea because I thought, um, you know, the context that we're playing with this is Machiavelli and Harlequin explain the banking crisis. So it's a contemporary, uh, very relevant situation that we're discussing. And I felt that if we'd gone straight into it with, you know, this is Alecchino and this is how he stands and this is what he's traditionally associated with, that, again, we'd have that level of remove, rather in the same way with the marketplace if we'd discussed the market you know, in detail before actually getting on its feet and seeing, well, what does the market mean to us and how do we work within this market and therefore what conclusions can we draw or what experiments do we want to make? Same goes for the, uh, for the characters, for the stock characters. So... I started out just with a few a few little details. You know, Arlecchino, does anyone know anything about Arlecchino, first and foremost? And, of course, loads of things get thrown out from the floor and uh, to work with. And then taking it from there, you know, for example, he's a little bit of a chicken. And, you know, watching uh, all these people sort of walking around, finding the chicken within was um, was, was quite an interesting experience. And then, you know, various characteristics. Okay, he's a chicken, so we can all have fun and and play with what it means to be a sort of human chicken. But the interesting uh, thing about him is that uh, he's also a servant. So then I sort of introduced this concept of he's used to carrying his master's belongings on his back. 
and moving into the physicality of that, a chicken with a load on their back. I mean, it sounds like an awful paradox, but it's within this paradox that everything comes to life and that the characters begin to sort of gather some kind of relevance. And then finally, you know, he's very good at the con. He's so good at the con, in fact, that he can even believe himself. He can even con himself. And by building the characters up slowly with very open-ended um, sort of prompts, if you like, I felt that uh, the group as a whole got a sense of, of the underlying dynamic of who he was, of what he meant to them. And therefore, he becomes much easier to translate into our contemporary setting of the banking crisis. I thought that was excellent because, in a sense, the group built up a common and an individual understanding of, of, the, of the DNA of uh, Arlequino. Yeah? And I, I, the, the other thing, thinking back, was it was fascinating to see the sort of social support to each other. So, I mean, there's a lot of humour, people looking at each other, you know, and, and, and supporting each other, trying out uh, little gestures and, and, and the noises as well, you know, the marketplace noises, the noises of the chicken or, or whatever. Mm. So so people were, were having fun. And I think this just shows the, the power of creativity coming from mm. both physical and emotional activity and social activity rather than, try, you know, the lone creative mm. trying to, to, to think up an idea. So that, that was very neat. What, what about if we did it again, right, you know, repertoire? Uh, what, what would we change? What would we do differently? Well, I think that's very interesting. I mean, a lot of things came up from from the workshop, and I think a lot of very interesting points were raised by the participants, by the ensemble, if you will, particularly questions of, you know, relevance, new archetypes for the new age, if you like. I mean, there, there's a whole tradition of playing with and inventing archetypes at the, the turn of the 20th century. You had Coupeau and his whole group kind of coming up with new stock characters or explorations of the characters in order to, to, to sort of bring them up to date. I mean, these characters, these stock characters, you know, they're built from the passions. They're built from underlying dynamics that we find, you know, that, are, that are, seem to persist and have persisted since the 16th century. Um, so, so the ground is there. And I thought it was a very interesting uh, interesting question you know should we update them should we not even shall we but you know is it possible can one update these given that they are such deep-rooted ancient if you like archetypes I would say that the answer to that would be yes certainly because even if the the product is only slightly different from what we already have that exploration and that interrogation of these characters for the 21st century will throw up profound amount of knowledge I think mm-hmm. That's the interesting challenge. Very um, creative, very, very stimulating, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, that 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 could have um, created a whole hour, I think, of mm. of activity and and uh, and mm. character building and discussion. Mm. Uh, so that 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 was that was great. I think the 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 other point that it raises um, also is uh, this idea of the flow of knowledge, where you know if we were all sitting in our chairs and discussing potential new archetypes, not having gone through the the embodiment of it, that the play if you like, and the creativity that comes from play, then things may have closed down. You know, as you say, the lone creative thinking up something in their room. When the flow of knowledge is sort of bouncing off in all directions, both embodied, both in ensemble, um, you know, where there is no quote-unquote teacher, just a whole load of questions and a whole load of prompts. I think that's where creative thinking and creative practice actually happens, and that's applicable across the board. So, of course, Commedia is relevant in the business school 
or in ideas mm. for new business. Of course, it's relevant in science disciplines or social science disciplines because it's uh, it allows for a new way of thinking about knowledge rather than, as I say, this, this flow of knowledge that goes one way, which uh, I think we're very used to in the school, in the university, even in, uh, you know, the corporate environment. I think we're very used to direct flows of knowledge. Mm. Uh, another thing that came up, for example, was after the event were questions, oh, could we have had a handout before? And to me, this is, um, this is habit. Mm. This is a habit that we have from school. You know, I, mm. I want to be prepared. I want to bring my apple, mm. you know, for the teacher. Mm. And, uh, and I think that, um, that it's just habit. And if we can start to think of new ways of learning and, and new ways of being in a learning environment, these habits will break very quickly, one hopes, when alternatives, alternative forms of learning, alternative spaces, um, uh, merging of different uh, disciplines, when that starts to happen, as I say, this flow of knowledge opens up and pings around in all directions and will hopefully break that habit. Well, of course, a handout is static, isn't it? I mean, mm. it, it's, it's established, and a uh, performance, you can prepare it, but what was happening last week really was um, spontaneous knowledge coming both from you and Simon's inputs and mm. stimulus, but also from, from the interaction of the different people. So that was that was mm. a much bigger event, wasn't it, than, than, than if it had been a scripted performance as such. The, um, the one, one of the spontaneous ideas from the floor which I liked was the, the point about the fool, you know, and the reference, of course, uh, obviously t- to the traditional role of the of, of the jester, the court fool, you know, in Lear. This obviously came from a Shakespearean PhD there. <laughs> that was just an example of, of one of the many ideas that came from the floor where we could have spent another half hour talking about the fool, foolishness, madness, and which drives us into the, the, the whole craziness of, of the economic crash. Here we are in the News International Week, I mean, sort of seeing things that probably an author... Uh, a novelist, a dramatist might not even have thought, you know, thought was possible or, or, or realistic mm-hmm. in, in a place. So the, it sparked so many ideas, I think, from the floor. And there was a question, should we have kind of rounded it off and um, finished and summarised and whatever? And I feel it, we were opening doors, really, and, and letting people go on. And people stayed around to talk and um, booked up for future sessions, yeah, so. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, again, this idea um, about closing it off and rounding it up, I think... Um, that's that uh, that lovely feeling that one can get from, oh, and I get it, and I have the satisfying ending. I mean, the kind of satisfying movie ending where all ends tie up and produce one c- complete piece of knowledge. And again, I um, I understand the the appeal of that. At the same time, I think that. Um, as you say, it'll it'll close the doors. As soon as we name and put an identity, if you like, on something, and this is what it was all about, roll credits, um, I think we close, again, we close down learning and uh, we go back into this flow of knowledge thing that this is what you were meant to get. Well, I find it very difficult. I suppose I should you know, put my colours on, on the wall and say I, I'm very afraid, if you like, of pre-setting results before the group have even walked through the door. I think that that's um, contrary to creative knowledge making or the idea of creativity and knowledge. It's a different way of thinking. We're very used to commodifying knowledge. We're very used to the product, you know, and uh, and creating a, a product identity in a very solid way. And I think that that's slightly counterproductive when we're talking about opening doors and thinking about new forms of knowledge in, in a creative way. 
Excellent. Well, you mentioned rolling the credits. I'm afraid you know time has run up, and we better we better do that. So mm. it was it was a fantastic experience. So Simon's not here, but I thank him, and I, I really thank you, Anushka, for for what what you did in terms of stimulating and and um, and gently uh, directing the ensemble and their build. And, and I suppose I, I should um, say to people who are listening in that um, uh, future events uh, in working capital. So this was the, lo- the the launch at Warwick. We'd had a launch in Soho in London um, earlier. Will be September twenty eight when Jonathan Neelands, the professor of creative education, and myself um, will be looking at uh, creating solutions um, using American drama, history, and, and film. Uh, November the 1st, Liz Thompson, who is the director of communications at the Royal Shakespeare Company, will be working on the idea of marketing communications, Marcom of creativity, so how one promotes and distributes and and, uh, and announces the, the creative uh, processes and ideas and events. And in the spring of 2012, um, we will have the education director from the Birmingham Royal Ballet uh, looking at uh, the impact of, uh, of dance and movement. And then um, finally, from both our writing program and from some creative accountants in the business school, we will have an evening writing for business. So if any of you are interested out there and coming to these events, um, write to us at workingcapital at wbs.acuk.